And can you put that slide up once more for the teachers? And uh, can we give them a hand that are ministering to the children today? And, and while we're doing that, I'll let the kids and middle school students, our grade six and seven, head out. You can head out to your class. And since most of those teachers who you just gave a hand to aren't in here, you'll have to find them and thank them personally. That'd probably mean a little more to them. Um, but these guys really, I mean, they're, they're taking their Sunday morning. They heard the voice of God saying, you're supposed to minister to kids. And they have followed that voice and they do that on Sunday mornings. And so we really appreciate the ministry that they give to our children every Sunday morning. Uh, grateful for that. Amen. It was good to hear those languages. James mentioned them. We sang them, right? Isn't that great to hear that? We didn't tell you what they were. What languages were they? Who can, who can call them? What, what are we singing this morning? Korean, Korean we heard. Yep. German. Spanish, French, and German. No one knows the one that Hilda was singing in? Luganda? Luganda, I think. Luganda. At least that's what I have in my notes. Um, I, uh, but thank you. Thank you for the team for preparing that these last couple weeks. Um, it's been wonderful. Uh, I, I don't know the languages, so I'm not able to sing in them. My joy is looking around the room and knowing some of the people uh, from these different places, from Korea. And seeing you sing in your native language and the words on the screen and the joy that can bring um, to be in your church singing in your, um, your kind of home language. And so that's been great. Thanks, team, for putting that together. Appreciate that. I want to start off this morning. We're on our third Sunday, our final Sunday of our global outreach celebration. And um, we had two great Sundays already. You heard from Don Butera. You heard from Jason Morris last week. It's been a good couple weeks. And this week I get a chance to talk and wrap things up for our global outreach celebration. I want you to take out that card that hopefully you received on the way in. If you didn't get a card, uh, I see some ushers in the back. Just lift your hand up and they'll bring you over one. Uh, it should have on the front of it a yellow post-it note. So if you can take out the card that has a yellow post-it note on the front of it. If you don't have one, just lift up your hand. I don't know if we need, I think we're okay. I don't know if we need any lights for the ushers to see. You guys can see. And I want to start off this message this morning with a question. And so if you've got a pen, uh, grab a pen or something like that. There should be one in the seat in front of you. Although I should have told the first service people to leave the pens. So I don't know if they left the pens or took the pens. So there may be pens in the seats in front of you. If they're not, blame the first service people. Stealing the pens. Uh, but, uh, but take out a pen. Take out that post-it note. And here's the question I want you to answer. I want you to put one word on that post-it note for me. One word. What word, I put words, but I mean word. What word, one word, would you use to describe the state of the world right now? I'm going to ask you to hand those in and give them to me so make sure it's an appropriate word that I can read on stage on Sunday morning. Um, so one word that you would use to describe the state of the world right now. And then when you write that word, let's pass all the notes to the center and the ushers are gonna pick those up and then James is gonna come and give me a hand and we're gonna see what some of those words are. One word that you would use to describe the state of the world right now. Can't write a sentence, can't write an essay, just one word. All right, we're going to pass those to the middle. The ushers are picking them up. Give them to James. James is going to, when you get them, James, just start reading them, and then we'll get more as they come. Um, here, let's get, yeah, sorry. great, thanks, man. What do we got? Scary. Scary. All right. Troubled. We're not going to read all 100 or so of them, but we'll get a divided. Good bit. Divided. Broken. These post-it notes were a much better idea in the office before service. Now they're all <laughs> stuck together. 
sinful, lost. We got a flat. Do you want to put that in there? Flat. <laughs> I'm gonna I think, skip I think, flat. I think Kyrie Irving's here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pass on the flat. We can have a discuss. Whoever wants to talk about that, I'll talk to you at some point. Pass on the flat. Demolished. Demolished. Chaotic. Did we get that one? No Two chaotic. That was last service. We had a lot of chaos last service. Sad. Sad. Yeah, these post-it notes were a terrible idea. Uh, insane. Who came up with that? That was me. Yep, that one's on me. <laughs> insane. We have yeah, another chaos, another lost. Chaos squared. More chaos. Lost, lost squared. I'm, I'm seeing all chaos here, Pastor Rick. All right, yeah, I know, but what words are on the paper? Mess. Mess. Chaotic. Chaos. Chaotic. Ah, confused. Conf- we got to confuse. Uh, we don't have confused. We had confused last service. And crisis. And crisis. Okay. All right. You I think those? that. Oh, crisis. E-S-I-S. What is crisis? I-S. I-S. Crisis. I need my little squiggly red line. Okay. All right. That is the state. That's a good, that's a good, I think, picture. I think sort of there's more in there that is similar, but that's a good picture of the world describe the world right now here. Not a very fun picture, not a very enjoyable picture, um, but uh, we all seem to kind of be on a similar page of what's going on. If I jump over here to there, let me give you a second question. You're not going to write this one on a paper, but maybe we'll look at some of the opposites of that. What words would you use, what word would you use to describe the perfect world? What word would you use to describe the perfect world? United, uh, united Okay. What else? Peaceful. Peaceful. I heard that one very loud. What else? Love. Love. What was it? Under God. Under God, okay. What else? What is it? Utopia. All right. Truth. Beautiful. No media. We'll put that under peaceful. Um, unless you're in the media or whatever. <laughs> Make it peaceful. <laughs> Anything else? I got love. I heard justice. No electronics. Again, peaceful. <laughs> but yes, not. What was it? Integrity. Okay. All right. So. I think, you know, you've been seeing a lot of um, commercials on TV lately, and you'll see them for the next few days, of people trying to tell you that if you vote for them, they will take you from here to there. I mean, that's not what they say, you know, out, out loud or completely, but that's essentially their message, right? That, that why should you vote for me? Well, because this is here where we are, and you want to be there And if you vote for me, this will get us closer to there. Or don't vote for the person running against me because they're going to keep you here. They're going to be promote more of here, and they're never going to get you there. If you're not hearing it now, I guarantee you, you're going to hear it in the next couple of years when we start ramping up to the next presidential election. There will be people that will stand on a stage, and their message essentially will be, vote for me, and I'll take you from here to there. And the sad truth is that no one has been able to and can take us from here to there. People have been trying for thousands of years. Governments have been trying. Political movements have been trying to say, we're going to do it. We're going to get there. It's going to go from here to there. And they haven't been able to do it. And yet, there's something within us that wants to go from here to there. There's something within us that feels like we should be able to get. There's something within us that longs to say this here is not the way it should be, and can we get 
there. I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning that I think brings this tension uh, really to light. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 5 with me, if you would, if you've got your Bible, Revelation chapter 5. If you don't have your uh, Bible with you, then uh, there should be one in the chair rack below you or not far from you, and you can follow along there. Revelation, easy book to find. It's the last book in the Bible. And it's, uh, if you are using a book in the chair rack, it should be about page 1030 uh, or 1031, uh, right about there. And you can find it there in the Bible. As you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about Revelation, because maybe you're not familiar with it. It's the last book of the Bible, and it's actually Revelation. It's titled, it's aptly titled, it's a revelation, it's a vision. It's a vision that God gave to the Apostle John. John was a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and he he lived during that time in the first century, and God gave him a vision. And this book of Revelation, it's in a genre that we would call apocalyptic genre. There aren't many books that you've probably read that are apocalyptic. There aren't even many books in the Bible that are apocalyptic. It's uh, Daniel would be one, some of the prophets, and Revelation Uh, is what would be called an apocalyptic book. And by that, it means it's highly symbolic, a lot of imagery, and usually communicating a message about things to come, this apocalyptic genre. And we see that definitely in Revelation. John, as I said, was a follower of Jesus. He was persecuted for his faith. He was tortured. History uh, says that he was actually tortured by being Uh, boiled in a vat of hot oil. Uh, It didn't kill him. After that, he was exiled to an island to live out the rest of his days on the island of Patmos. And while he was on that island, one of the things that God gave him was this vision that became the last book in our Bible, this vision we call the book of Revelation. And let's pick it up in chapter 5 and verse 1. And I want to start sharing there. It says this. We're kind of picking up in the middle of a a vision. So let me stop for a second. Here's chapter four paints this picture. You're going to hear uh, there's one on the throne. That's God the Father on the throne here. There are also later on in this passage creatures. Early in chapter four, we're told that there are four uh, really cool, really creative looking creatures that somehow live around the throne of God. You can read about those in chapter four. If you ever want to know if God is really creative, look at those creatures in chapter four, what they're like. And then there are 24, what we're called, what we're told are elders, uh, sitting on thrones around the throne of God. So there's the, that's kind of the picture that we're stepping into here in chapter five. So John gets this vision of this heaven and the future, and it says this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now you might hear that and you say, well, that's a strange reaction. I mean, I've got books I haven't read. I've got things I haven't heard. I mean, why would John weep loudly simply because he was not able to see or have this scroll opened? Well, you have to know a little bit of background. Here's the background. If John sees God on a throne holding a scroll that's sealed, his mind is immediately taken back to the prophet Daniel in his holy scriptures. And the prophet Daniel is the only prophet that would have referenced, the only place in his holy scriptures that would have referenced a scroll that had been sealed up that God would be holding. It would be immediately taken back to the prophet Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 12. And so he would know what this scroll means. And this scroll is basically laying out the the end of time as we know it. 
is basically laying out what is to come and with two major topics, judgment and justice and salvation and restoration. And so what John knows is that this scroll has to be opened for those things really to be ushered in and to begin to take place. And you think about that, if, with judgment and justice, and there's no, there's no consequence and there's no recompense for it. But then there's also the idea that this also opens up and begins the restoration and salvation of people and the mercy of God. And that at the beginning of this scroll, uh, which opens up the end of history, opens up this time where restoration, forgiveness, and salvation is possible. That the mercy of God is poured out on humanity. That somehow that the sins of people can be forgiven and made right and reconciliation to a holy God can take place. And without that, with the scroll not being open, if there's no hope, if there's no one to open the scroll and there's no hope and there's no justice and there's no salvation, the only correct response is John's then to weep and to lament. And that's why he weeps and laments. Not because he can't see something, he wants to know what's in there, because he knows what it is. And there doesn't seem to be any way to have it opened and started. Let's continue. Chapter 5, picking up in verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and, and this is a little maybe apart from our main point this morning. I just love this part of the passage which says, they sang a new song, which means what? They had already been singing a song, right? They had already previously had songs that they sung in heaven. There was already a chorus. There was already a choir. There was already songs that were going on. So what were those songs? Well, let me just back up to chapter 4 a little bit. I don't have these verses on the, script, on the screen, but if you have your scriptures, you can back up and look at chapter 4. And you could, say, you could see that these are the songs that were being sung prior to this. It was this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then this one, verse 11 of chapter 4, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. These are the songs that had been going on. What were those songs of? There were songs to God the Father saying, you created everything and you are worthy and we worship you. Why? Because if God not had chosen to create, there would be nothing. There would be no humanity. There would be no creatures. There would be no elders. God could have just dwelt with himself in all eternity and been fine. But he chose to give life. He chose to create. And so songs were sung from the beginning of creation, holy to God, because you created out of nothing. You did something you didn't have to do. You gave us life. And that was the song that was sung. But now we're told in heaven a new song is being sung. There's a new song. We're adding a new one to the songbook. Like we had a completed songbook, and he said, well, we gotta add a new one now because something happened. Something happened that hadn't happened ever before, and we need to add a new song to the songbook. And here's the new song in verse nine. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. 
Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. All of a sudden, all of heaven joins in with a new song, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And here's the thing. Here's, here's what happened. God was being praised because without God, there would have been no creation. All of a sudden, Jesus, the lamb, is being praised because without him, creation would have been completely lost and forever separated and subject only to judgment. And yet, Jesus came and brought redemption and made it possible for people to be reconciled to God. So Jesus... The Christians believe is that with Jesus, what we believe is Jesus is the only one who takes us from here to there. That that's, that's the whole message of the scroll. The whole message is, look, the only way we're going to get from here to there is if there's a whole renewing and restoration of creation. And the only one that gets us from here to there is Jesus. And that's why this new song is sung in heaven, because there's a lamb who came as a human, a person. Jesus came down, came and become human. That's the incarnation. He lived his life. He lived a perfect life. He died, crucifixion, resurrection, raised again, and ascended into heaven. And he's the only one because he's the only human without sin. He's the only one that could open the scroll. And because he did that, this song is being sung about how he is worthy. You know, when you do something no one else can do, you have a great worth, right? That's why we wonder, why would somebody pay a professional basketball player $50 million or $100 million? Why? Because somebody believes they can do something that no one else can do. You know, why would somebody pay an actor this amount of money? Because someone believes, there's a company that believes, or a person believes they can do something that no one else can do. Jesus, heaven gets together and sings about how worthy he is is because he can do something no one else can do. It says no creature in heaven can do it. They're not humans. No person on earth can do it because they're all tainted by sin. No one under the earth can do it. I don't even know who's under the earth, but no one under the earth can do it. Nothing in all creation can do it except Jesus. And so they sing worthy. And so they sing, worthy are you. Jesus is the only one that gets us from here to there. He does it by laying down his life, by ransoming us, it says, uh, those who will put their faith and their trust in him. He does this for every tribe, people, language, and nation. And I love that picture. It's not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's not just for one nation. It's not just for one race. God wants people from every tribe, people, and nation to be worshiping him. And so Jesus is the one that's able to get us from here to there. But while we are still here, because we'd all, we'd all agree we're still here right now, right? We're, we're still here. I hope where we're living right now is not there because I'm very disappointed if it is, right? Underwhelming. We're still here. We're on our way to there, but we're still here. And while we are living here, we participate in the kingdom-building work of Jesus. We're told in the scriptures that when Jesus came, when he died, when he rose again, he inaugurated the kingdom. He started the kingdom. He brought it in. And so, you know, his disciples would say, you know, where is the kingdom? You know, is it here? Is it there? How and he says, the kingdom of God's within you. It starts to build within you. When you become the people of God, the kingdom of God starts to become present in the world here. So it started. It's not finished, though. We're, we're still here. One day, it will be finished. One day, and that's what this vision that God's giving John shows, that one day, it will be completed. But in the meantime, while we're here, we participate in the kingdom-building work of Jesus. How do we participate in that kingdom-building work? It's a few ways. One, we participate by accepting the ransom Jesus paid. First way we participate is by coming into the kingdom. 
First way we participate is by becoming members of God's kingdom and by saying, God, I recognize that I need this ransom paid for my life. I can't pay for it myself. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. And I need your grace that only comes through your sacrifice. So through grace and faith in Jesus, I receive it and I come into the kingdom. That's the first way I participate. And if you've never done that, uh, you know, God invites you to be in relationship with him. He invites you to a relationship with him as a holy God that forgives and that offers grace to your past and not to let that dictate your future. And God welcomes you and invites you to be part of this kingdom of going from here to there. So the first thing we do to participate is by accepting that ransom Jesus paid by his blood and giving worship to him. The second thing is that worship. We participate by worshiping Jesus just like heaven does. Worthy are you, Jesus. Worthy are you for what you've done and for who you are. We participate by word, not simply with singing, yes, and giving like James mentioned. Sure, we do those things, but actually we live our lives as living sacrifices offered to Jesus. The way we live, the way we relate to one another, the way we live out our faith in this world, we worship, we participate by worshiping Jesus. Third, we participate by sharing this good news with those around us. That's what Jesus instructed us to do, to go, this kingdom that we've become a part of, go share it with others who haven't heard yet. Go tell them this good news, this good news that's available. And what is this good news? Well, it is at least the first step that I said, that you can be reconciled to God, that you can have that relationship with him, that you can have a relationship with the holy God, that your sins can be forgiven. It is at least that, but it's not only that. The, the, the complete message is that we're going from here to there. That God is in a restoration work, not only of your life, but of all creation. That one time, one day there'll be a new heaven, a new earth, that the, the way that we relate to each other, the way that we relate to creation, the way that we relate to God himself will be the way that God intended it to be in the beginning. That there's a full restoration of creation that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we will dwell upon. And God says that he is building that. And that is the message of hope. And I I think it's important to to understand that because we have to relate oftentimes, you know, really to the world around us. And when you're trying to relate to someone who doesn't know Jesus, it may have been that, you know, maybe 50 years ago when there was more of a... Uh, Christian understanding in our culture that you might say to someone, hey, you know, do you, let's talk about Jesus. And they might know what you're talking about. You might talk to someone now and they have no idea what you're talking about. Or maybe they only know from on TV or what news stories say. Or you might have talked to someone and say, you know that feeling of guilt you have? And, and, you know, God can take care of that. And they look at you like, I don't feel guilty. What guilt? I don't have any guilt. We live in a shameless society in many ways. There's not, there's not this feel, you can't, so, you know, let, let me help you find someone who can deal with that guilt that you're feeling. Well, I don't have that, I don't feel guilty. But if you say, well, what about this world that we live in? How does it get fixed? Because it's broken. We would all admit that. And we all want this. But how do we get there? And what if there was a way there? And what if the answer is found in Jesus? And then maybe a conversation starts. Uh, because this, we have sometimes forgotten that this full gospel is a full message of restoration of all of creation. And so we participate by sharing this good news with those around us. And the good news is not simply that you get fire insurance from hell. Sometimes that's the way it's been presented, I think, at times. That's not, that's not, that's not good. That's, that's not the full good news. The full good news is you get restoration to life. Like, like, like you've got life ahead of you that God has put within, uh, before you, and purpose and restoration to how God had intended it to be. So that's another way we participate by sharing. And then the final one is, as we're concluding here, uh, with our global outreach, you're saying, Pastor, how are you going to bring this around to global outreach? Our final participation <laughs> by supporting our partners around the world who are sharing this good news 
with people we will never meet. And this is, this is where we've been um, you know, talking about these last few weeks. We, this is what we believe at Mount Hope. We believe that we are grateful to be able to hear about Jesus, to have the opportunity to respond and to enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We also believe that everyone else ought to have that opportunity to have that message heard and to hear about this good news that God has. So for those living near us who are far from God, we have a responsibility to share with them. That's that step. We participate by sharing that good news of the kingdom with them. But then for those who are far from us, but don't have another Christian living near them, don't have an opportunity to hear about Jesus unless somebody goes and unless somebody sends somebody to go, we at Mount Hope believe we also have a responsibility to help them go and share this message with people that would otherwise not hear about this good news that God has for them. And so that's another way that we participate. We participate by supporting these partners around the world. And we have about 45 of them right now. And you've heard from Don a couple weeks ago, and you've heard from uh, Jason uh, this past uh, a week ago Sunday, or if you didn't, um, I think their messages are up online. I shouldn't say that too quickly. They are true. Sometimes we can't put them up from our partners, but those ones we were able to put up. So they're online. You can get those in the app or on our website. But there's some other reports. I get more reports. We get reports all the time that come in from reports from our global partners around the world. I just wanted to share a couple with you this morning. Um, Tom and Cassie Vanderlin, they were a part of our Belmont location for a long time when they were campus missionaries in the Boston area. Uh, about uh, a little less than a year ago, God started moving on their heart and their circumstances and had been preparing them and calling them to go out to Southern California. And now they are uh, campus missionaries at UCLA, and Thomas is ministering to people there in Southern California uh, who don't know Jesus, and he is sharing God there. And, and he's excited. He's just getting underway there. Um, but, uh, but they're excited to start their ministry there. You can pray for Thomas and Cassie out there at UCLA. Matt and Marissa, they minister refugees in Greece. Uh, and uh, they said a young refugee who has been coming to our church with his friend has recently received Christ and is going to be baptized this week. And we pray for Matt and Marissa and that young person. From Jason, in July of 2022, he said, Faith Fellowship had the blessing of hosting a medical outreach at the center of a major Hindu city. Our church and team of doctors served from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. We have testimonies of people being supernaturally healed by faith in the name of Jesus. Also, one lady who was possessed by an evil spirit was set free from the demon in Christ. We prayed for many non-Christians in this city. From Thierry, uh, Thierry, who has a great story of being reached in a refugee camp himself, he's now a missionary himself, has gone out to share this message of hope. Thierry says, I had a privilege of visiting a remote island that has only recently had the gospel. My partners and I were able to baptize three people after spending five days in a small village there. To God be the glory. Don says, uh, he wrote a quick email one day. He said, the head of one of the villages we're working with was just baptized. Praise the Lord for that. From Dennis and Jenny, they say, every week we continue to hold our English conversation club, social activities, and Bible studies. And each week we continue to meet new people from our community. We're beginning to see several of them return each week to worship and study the Bible with us. Only a couple have believed in Jesus as Lord, but we believe in the coming months Many more of them will become believers and followers of Christ. That's from Dennis and Jenny, uh, Jenny who are in Turkey. Finally, um, uh, Scott writes, he, he writes this, I can't publicly wear a cross, but I wear the Holy Spirit. Scott says, my friend John made this statement after proudly displaying his newly designed necklace of a dove. We thought it was brilliant. We are so proud of John. After five months in Europe, he excelled in his training for his career and became the first person from his country to ever receive this training. He told us how much he enjoyed being a Christian in open public while he was in Europe. 
experiencing the freedom to share Jesus with whomever and whenever he wanted without any concerns and pressures from the government and his family. However, when it came time to either return to his country or apply for asylum in Europe, he felt the voice of the Lord encouraging him to return to his country. Pray for John as he endeavors to share God in his country and wears his Holy Spirit necklace because the government won't let him wear a necklace with a cross on it. These are partners that we have around the world. These are just some of the stories of some of the people that we are endeavoring to share Christ with and partner, or share Christ through and partner with. So I'm going to ask you as we uh, close, would you take out that card um, again that you were given in the beginning of service? And uh, if you're new with us, I'm glad you're here. If this is your first Sunday here, you came on a great Sunday. And maybe you walked in and you looked down and you said, great, they handed me a pledge card. I knew these Christians were just all about money. <laughs> and uh, we don't hand out pledge cards every week. In fact, this is the only week of the year that we really do this. But I'll tell you this. I think you came on a great Sunday. Not because we're handing out pledge cards but because it gives you a chance to hear and see our heart as a church. This is what we believe as a church, that we believe that there is a message of hope that God offers and gives, and that we ought to put our money where our mouth is. That it's not something we should just talk about. It's not something we should just say that, oh, that's a good idea and others do it. This is a time of the year we say, you know what, if we really believe this, and you ought to be saying that if you're in here and you're visiting and you're not a Christian, you ought to be asking, do these people really believe what they say they believe? Because if they do, they, we ought to be willing to put our money where our mouth is, right? We ought to be willing to invest our funds, to invest what God has given us in sending and sharing this message with others around the world. So if you're visiting, I'm glad you're here. This just gives you a little picture into who we are and what we believe. But let me just talk for a couple minutes about global outreach at Mount Hope. We do this once a year. And these cards are important. I will tell you, Chuon and our global outreach team, um, really the, our partners that we partner with, they will make their commitments based on these cards that come in. They will tell partners, we can help you or we can't help you based on these cards that come in. And so this is an important moment in the life of our church, but it's more an important moment in the life of the church around the world and for those we're supporting and for those that we've uh, committed to support. So let me just tell you a little bit. Some of you type A people, you like the numbers. You want to know where we're at, how it gets there, whatever. Um, let me just give you some numbers just to kind of show uh, where we've been at the last few years. So this is from 2013 to 2022. The green line are these cards. The green line are these, every October, the green line is what, every October, uh, what cards come in committing to missions. So you can see in 2013, we were at 113,000, and in 2021, we were at 164,000, and this past, so a year ago, October, we had commitments that came in for 151,000 uh, dollars on faith promises. And all that money that comes in goes straight out to our partners. There's not these heavy administration costs. We're not keeping, you know, the, the money goes out to our partners around the world. So it went down actually about 9%, um, but actually the money that went out went up about 12%. You can see the purple line. Uh, we had 151,000 committed on cards and 188,000 that went out uh, this past year. Praise God for that, and that's wonderful. And you might say, well, how do you do that? That's a pretty good trick. I'd like to send out more money than I have coming in. How do you do that? Um, one of the ways, actually, is what that says is, well, some of you might not like filling out cards. Uh, so some of you gave money without filling out a card. And, and we used that money, and we sent that out. Uh, to numerous things around. Some of it was a surplus. We did have some money that we always keep for opportunities that might come up that we want to be able to step into and give to immediately. And so we, send that we sent some of that money out this past year. Um, some of the money from our church operational budget goes into some things like that. Uh, but some of the things we did with that extra 24000 that went out this past year, uh, projects included launching a JBQ, a junior Bible quiz in Zambia, uh, helping Royal Rangers get started uh, work in Malawi, uh, Boys Discipleship Program, and outreach in Nigeria, a Liberian orphanage, a Ukrainian relief effort through Convoy of Hope, and uh, 
and also contribution to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in Boston uh, contributions. So those weren't necessarily on our regular partner list, but we had extra gifts come in, and we were able to send those out, praise the Lord. So you can see on these next couple slides that that's just that showing, that's the Faith Promise Partners. So it went from 166, 151, dropped 9%, but the actual giving that went out the door when it comes to missions on the next slide went up about 12%. But let me also share, you might be, uh, and I'll have our worship team come. We're coming to a close here, guys, if you guys want to come up. Um, about our philosophy here at Mount Hope and about our strategy here with our global outreach team. And our global outreach team, I know you don't see them, you don't know them. Um, I guess if they're here, could I, Joan, can I have you guys stand? If there's anyone from our global outreach team here, could you stand? Could you just stand for a moment? Stand. Can we thank these people for their service during the year? Thank you. There are more of them, but let me tell you, this team diligently throughout the year is meeting on a regular basis. They, the, the partners that we partner with, we don't just say, oh, that sounds good. We're going to go with them. Or sometimes, or they come and ask, and we say, sure, we'll do it. These people are vetted and interviewed, and constant relationship is kept with them, constant checking in, how we can help, how we can be praying for you. This is a working team throughout the year that is constantly helping us as a church figure out how we can best support the Christian mission and God's gospel going throughout the world throughout the year. So how we, our, our philosophy, our strategy, so the global church, go back to that last slide, uh, or I guess that one shows it too, sorry. The global church, um, often if you took one dollar of missions from the global church, often this is how it's sent out, uh, about, about four cents would go to unreached people groups. That is a place where people do not have the opportunity to hear the gospel. It's often not in their language. There are often no churches. If there, there are very few, if any, Christians in their, in their tribe or their community, they will not hear unless somebody goes to intentionally tell them. They're not gonna by accident walk into a Christian on the street. It's an unreached people group. And so about four cents of every dollar goes to that. About 16 cents of every dollar goes to formative areas. These are places where it, it's, not, uh, there's not, it's not saturated. It wouldn't be called a, a Christian place, but there is some access to the gospel. There may be a, a per, small percentage of people that are Christians, some churches, some literature, some, some ministries that are active. It's formative and becoming, but there's access uh, to it, but it's not... Uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. And the established would be a place like, like the United States. There's churches all around. There are places you have access, you have opportunity to hear the gospel. And about 80 cents of every missions dollar that's given to go from the global church will go to established areas. So at Mount Hope, about uh, you know 12 or 13 years ago, we said, you know what? We want to change that when we give. We want to shift things a little bit. And so our team established, we want 50% of our dollars to go to the unreached. We want to send 30% to formative, and we'll send 20% to established places. Uh, because there's still work to do there. There's still support that needs to happen. And we've got partners that are serving in those areas. And so how are we doing on, on hitting that target? Uh, here, here it is, 2007, when we kind of put this strategy in place, those were the numbers. We were at 23% unreached, 42% formative, 35% established. As of last year, we're almost right on target. Uh, 48% of our audience are going to unreached people groups, 31% to the formative areas, and 21% to established. And that's how we have chosen. That, that's so, so when you give, here's, when you commit, this is how it's going out. About 50 cents of every dollar is going out to a people group that is unreached. And so that's why when you hear a lot of our partners come in, maybe you've been to other churches, you're not going to hear a lot of partners saying, you know, last year we did a crusade and 50,000 people showed up. You're not going to hear a lot of that from our global outreach partners. Uh, you're more likely going to hear, we opened up a coffee shop and we've got people coming in and we're having conversations about Jesus. 
on a regular basis. Or we offered a medical clinic and we had people come in and we were able to pray for them as we did chiropractic work or as we gave them glasses or as we helped them, you know, you know tell them about raising their kids. And because they're, they're doing work in places that's hard, that's they're tilling ground, they're places where they're not openly able to share. And yet we've decided, you know, what we want to, we want to invest. We want to see people who are unreached become reached. And the Lord works. You know, I think about places like Korea. And you think about Korea nowadays, you, you look at South Korea and you say, wow, this amazing nation. You know, in the 1900s, there was barely a church in Korea in, in 1900. In the 19th century, going into that, uh, into the 20th century. And now there are 7,000 Christian churches just in Seoul, Korea. Like nations can change, but it starts with people who will go to a place that no one else will go to. And so on this card, this is how we're gonna close. And here's where our partners are. Let me just give you this last slide. Here's where our partners are. Uh, 45 partners that are serving around the world in places around the world that you are supporting um, when you fill out this card. Uh, partners that you help to get the gospel to those places. I'll tell you, we've got six on the list that have already been vetted, that have already gone through our team, that we've told them, if the faith promises come in, if the church, you know, the, the funds go up, we'll help send you, we'll support you. We got others all the time. I was just at a minister's meeting this past week and I had a missionary come up to me and he says, hey, I wanna to talk to you, I'm a missionary. Going to, he's going to Genoa, Italy to work with refugees. And I said, you don't wanna to talk to me. You wanna to talk to Chuon. Because uh, you and I can have a long talk and I can't give you anything. Uh, Chuon is the guy uh, that, and his team uh, that we've entrusted with this. And I said, but, and I said to her, I said, but I'll tell you the truth, we're at full capacity. We're sending out everything that's coming in, but you're welcome to enter into the process. And if we're able to bring you on and you come through the process, you'll be, you know, you'll be in line and we, we'd love to, you know, partner with you if the Lord opens it up on our end. and and it feels, and you've come through our process. So we want to do more and we will, like I said, what comes in, what goes out, so it goes out. So I'm going to ask you on this card to pray about it. I'm going to give you a minute or two to pray and ask God on the front. We do ask that you put your name, not because we're going to chase you or we're going to, you're not going to hear from us. You're not going to hear me. You're not going to hear me come and say, you're not going to get an email from me or anyone else on our team saying, Hey, you made this commitment. Nope. This is a faith promise. It's between you and the Lord. So why do you want our name on it then, Pastor? Because someone's gonna put in a card with like a million bucks and I'm gonna need a name to say, that one I'll follow up on. If you put a million bucks on here, I'm following up. I'm gonna give you a call before I commit to sending out a million bucks to people around the world. Um, just, you know, it helps us, but it's also for that stuff on the back. It's also for that stuff on the back um, because we're not just interested in giving. We want to support global missions with our lives. So if you want to pray, we want to email you some prayer requests. We want to connect you with some global partners if you want to pray. If you want to participate by, go, by uh, working with the Afghan refugees that we've been helping in the Belmont area, we want to connect you with that. That's part of our global outreach in our area. Uh, if you want to help, if you want to go on a go-see trip to India, if you're interested in that in 2023, we want to connect you with that. Uh, there's few things more powerful than going and seeing the work that God's doing in these places. Or if you've got other global outreach efforts that you're involved with, we want to know that too, because we know some of you are. A lot of you, that your home country, you're already involved in some outreach efforts in your home country that may not be something we're doing particularly, but you are involved. We'd love to just know about that, because maybe that's something we would partner with. Maybe that's something we would be able to help get involved with. And so we'd love to know that too. Um, so on the, on the give part, one time, weekly, monthly, you know, whatever works for you. It's from basically November of this year till October of next year. You know, from monthly, Wendy and I, you know, we do monthly because that's what works for us just to kind of put that in our monthly budget. Maybe that works for you. But it's also a time to, I, I encourage you to ask the Lord what he wants to do through you. Maybe there's something in your life he would want you to sacrifice. Maybe there's something in your life you'd say, you know what? I want you to get rid of that so you can give to this, or I'm gonna do this through you this year and I want you to trust me. I was watching TV yesterday 
and um, I saw an ad come on TV asking for money to support uh, so that uh, to support elephants so that elephants would not be uh, gone from the earth. Apparently that's a problem, um, but they are supporting elephants. I am all for, I love elephants. So I think it's a cool creation of God. I think we should have elephants. I don't want the elephants to be gone, but I watched that commercial and I thought about today and I said, if they are going to be unashamed about asking money for elephants, I am going to be unashamed about asking you to give, to invest in the souls and eternities of men and women who have no opportunity to hear about Jesus if someone doesn't go and if someone doesn't send them. And so put that challenge out before us today because that's who we are. As Christians, we participate in this message, in this mission around the world. I don't know why Jesus chose to do it this way. Why didn't he just write it in the sky or send angels? I don't know. This is the way he chose to do it. I want to use you. I want to use people to tell people to share this message. And so this is how we do it at Mount Hope. Let me pray for you, and then I'll give you a minute. Pray, think, fill out that card. There's two baskets up here. This is our act of worship. As our, we close our service, you can put these cards in the basket. Lay them on the altar. I encourage you, as you lay them in that basket, you pray. God, help me to fulfill this commitment that I've made. Lord, I've said a lot of words, but I pray that you have connected with our hearts. Lord, it's ultimately about you, your mission, because you are worthy. You are worthy of it all, Lord. You are worthy of it all because you alone are able to take us from here to there. You alone have, are worthy to open that scroll. You alone can bring restoration and healing and offer salvation. Lord, thank you. So Lord, I pray for my friends here today. I pray for those in this room. God, I pray that you would lead us God, help us to hear your voice, not our budget or whatever we think we can spare. Lord, help us to hear your voice as we make these commitments. What do you want to do through us over these next 12 months? What can you do through us over these next 12 months? Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to hear from you. As we pray for those 45 partners around the world, Lord, would you bless them? Would you provide for them? Would you give them favor today as they continue to do your work, even as we faithfully labor to do our work here? So speak to us and lead us as we make these commitments in Jesus' name.